This week, we're talking about Daniel. Last week, we talked about David, where God called David, he's the only one in the Bible, a man after his own heart. And God's measuring stick is the heart. This, week we're, this week's unlikely hero is Daniel. So you can open your Bible or click or tap on your Bible app and go to chapter 6. That's where we're going to spend our time today. So I think this story will relate to the attack on the church and on Christianity. We live in a culture today that is shifting, and if the church isn't equipped to be able to handle these cultural shifts, society will eat our lunch. So we have to be ready. So let me give you a little context. The book of Daniel begins around 600 BC. It's 12 chapters in all, and the first six of them are completely historic. So they just cover the history of the Jewish people while in exile. And the last six chapters are prophecy. They're dreams that, that Daniel had, and they are prophetic. And what's interesting to me, if you know how your Bible is laid out, which makes it tough for, for some of us, because the Bible is not laid out in a chronological order. Sometimes it can be a little confusing to read because it's not laid out that way. But a few years ago, I did this reading plan. It was pretty cool, where I read through the Bible chronologically. And that was, that was pretty cool because like last week we were in Samuel learning about David. So when you read it chronologically, David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms in the book of Psalms. It would insert those Psalms in the story. So if you ever do get a chance to, to check out a chronological reading plan, it's pretty cool. Um, but the Bible is laid out in types of books. The history books are together. The poetry books are together. The prophet books, where you have the major prophets, and they're not in the army. They're not in the military. They're, they're major, and not because they're more important. You got that one, right? <laughs> Thank you. We have one left. Um, <clears throat> they're called major prophets, not because they're more important. They're just bigger books, so they're called major prophets. And then you have the minor prophets. They're all in sections in your Bible. Here's my point. Daniel is half history and half prophecy. And I believe that the Bible is the inspirational word of God. It was put together by the Holy Spirit. And this history book, the book of Daniel, was placed in the prophecy section. And I believe history is prophecy. In other words, what happened in Daniel's life is the playbook for us today. Because what you'll see when you study Daniel's life is that he had to navigate a Jewish faith in a Babylonian ungodly culture, which is where our society is leading or trying to lead us today. But what's really cool, Daniel lived his life successfully. Not only did he survive it, but he had influence in it. <clears throat> and he did it without ever compromising his faith. And I really believe that's what God has for us today. Daniel chapter 6, the first 14 verses, we see how Daniel was condemned to, be exec to, to execution, basically through the jealousy of some of his co-workers, some of the other people on an equivalent level with him in the administration of the Mede and Persian Empire. They didn't like Daniel, and to trap him, they knew they couldn't find anything wrong in his character or conduct. They knew that if they were going to trap Daniel, it would be to trap him. 
in his faithfulness to God. Knowing that he would be faithful to God above and beyond everything else. So they manipulated King Darius. And they had King Darius pass a law. <clears throat> For 30 days, it was prohibited to pray to anyone except King Darius. You pray before breakfast, you got to pray to King Darius. You pray before you go on a trip, you got to pray to King Darius. Well, Daniel wasn't going to stand for that, for that. And the men who set this trap knew Daniel went home and prayed as he always had. Three times a day, Daniel prayed in a faithful way. And they trapped Daniel, and they hoped to have him receive the punishment that was included in the law, and the punishment was to be thrown into a den of hungry lions. Of course, King Darius didn't like that. He figured out that he was being manipulated, but that was only after he passed the law. And so he works tirelessly all day long to find a loophole in the law. He worked as long as he could all day long, but found no loophole. And it looked like Daniel was condemned. And that's where we pick up the story, verse 16, Daniel chapter 6. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So the men who were Daniel's enemies couldn't help but sort of rub it in to King Darius as they came to him, let him know that they trapped him. King, do you remember the law of the Medes and Persians cannot be changed? You must throw Daniel into the lion's den. And they said it with such sort of arrogant happiness. There's no change in this king. Daniel has to die. Now, one thing I love about this story, and it's a very straightforward principle, things that can never be changed with man, God can change. Let me say that again. Things that can never be changed with man, God can change. I heard the name, but I was going to keep saying it until I got one. <laughs> Thank you. I was, I was. That's God said, keep saying it. Isn't that a wonderful principle, though? So many of us, so many times we look at a situation, we look at a person, we look at a problem, and we say, humanly speaking, there's no hope. Humanly speaking, there's nothing that can be changed in this situation. But God can change the things that man never thinks can be changed. A lot of us have had a lot of enormous works of God done in our lives based on that very principle. A lot of us are thankful to God that he set us free from the things that men said could never be changed, but God has the power to change them. I say this to make sure that nobody loses hope, nobody despairs. You've been praying for that person for a long time, and they don't seem to be one inch closer to Jesus or surrendering their life to him. Don't give up hope. Because things that, humanly speaking, can never be changed, God can change. 
Maybe you've been struggling with something, a problem, an addiction. You've fallen back so many times. You've had so many relapses that you think this will never be changed. Not in a hundred years. What can never change with man, God can change. Now, one other thing I want you to notice here is what Darius said when they put Daniel in the lion's den. He, he spoke to Daniel in verse 16. He says, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. There's two things I want you to notice in that. First, notice the confidence in King Darius. Daniel, your God can deliver you. I am powerless. I tried everything to deliver you. I tried to find a loophole in the law. I couldn't find anything. But your God can deliver you. What an amazing testimony of King Darius. King Darius, he was a pagan king. He wasn't raised in Israel. He didn't know anything about the temple. He, he had probably not even read a single word of the law of Moses. He was completely unfamiliar with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob, except for what he saw through the life of the testimony of Daniel. But that was enough to make him take a look and say, Daniel, I know your God can rescue you. We see the confidence in King Darius. Isn't that pretty cool? I would love for my life, I would love for others to see that in my life, that my walk, my belief, my faith, my trust in God, my actions makes a non-believer believe. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you like that? That's what he did to King Darius. The second thing we see here, we see the consistency of Daniel's life. Did you notice the phrase in verse 16? Your God whom you serve continually, my brothers and sisters, that's what made Daniel's testimony. Many of us display occasionally Excuse me, many of us occasionally display godly character or wisdom. We occasionally display trust in the Lord. Or let's replace occasionally and say we mostly display godly character or wisdom or trust in the Lord. What was Daniel's testimony? Continually? <laughs> Continually. Look, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself in my Christian walk in life where I'm taking three steps forward and one step back, three steps forward and one step back. I, I suppose that's an aspect of human nature where that's just typical, but here's my prayer. I want God to do such a work in my life and your life that people could say we continually serve the Lord, that there's something about these people that go to New Post Church, that our service to God, our honoring God, our devotion to God it's not an occasional thing. It's not a mostly thing. It's a continual thing. And just look at it by the way we live our lives. Loving God, loving people, and making a difference. One more thing I want you to notice. Daniel's continual service to God was noted even though he worked in a secular job or a government job. He was a government official. He wasn't a pastor. So a lot of people think you have to be a pastor in a church, you have to work for a Christian nonprofit in order to be able to continually serve the Lord. You can continually serve God in whatever place that he's called you. Amen? So whatever it is, your life, your, possession, your profession, you can honor God and glorify 
him in it. Daniel wasn't a priest. Daniel wasn't a preacher. Daniel was a government official. Yet other people could look and say, he serves God continually. So whatever it is, whatever you're calling, whatever it is in life, whatever God has given you to do, it can be noted that you are a man or woman who serves God continually. Amen? Okay, back to Daniel. He's in the lion's den. Verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought into him, and he could not sleep. They put Daniel in the lion's den. They rolled the stone over the opening. The king is upset. This is a terrible thing. The king has to walk away. He is helpless. There's nothing he can do. What's going to happen to Daniel? Daniel's in this cave of hungry lions. The king must be thinking, okay, well, we're going to find out now if, God, if Daniel's God is real or not. The king and his nobles sealed the entrance. It was sealed not just so that nobody could get out, but so that nobody could go in. Because who knows, maybe some other kind of assassin would try to get into the, to the cave and kill Daniel. The king goes back to his palace. And what does he do? He can't do anything. He's consumed with thinking of what's happening to Daniel. What's God going to do with Daniel? Is Daniel's God mighty enough? He tells his musicians to go home for the night. He can't eat anything. And then finally it says there in verse 18, he could not sleep. Meanwhile, back in the lion's den. We don't know exactly what Daniel was doing that night. I'd like to, to think he was having fun with the lions. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be like just playing games with the lions. I'd like to think of Daniel playing and wrestling with the lions. And when he rests, he's kind of just using them, laying back on them like cushions. And they're purring like little kittens. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? They're all around them all night. And when they get tired of playing, they take little cat naps. See what I did there? Maybe that's a dad joke. It's a pretty awesome night for Daniel, though. He had, he had lions that were not going to eat him. That right there alone is pretty awesome. And we're going to find out here in a little bit, he had an angel present in the room. Daniel is at perfect peace. He's a man of prayer, so he's probably praying through the night. He's probably having some wonderful fellowship time with God in the company of some pretty awesome examples of God's creation with these lines. I like to think of Daniel praying something from the scriptures, perhaps something from Psalm 22. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. It'd be a pretty good prayer. And you know he praised them afterwards. So here we go. Daniel also may have prayed something like this. Lord, I don't know if it's my time. I've lived a faithful life for these 80 plus years. And if you want me to keep on serving you and glorifying you, then Lord, preserve me from the lion's mouth. But I entrust you with this completely, God. I will serve you no matter what. And then he finds out with the presence of an angel, these lions became his friends. 
It says King Darius could not sleep that night. And we don't know if Daniel did. But if he did sleep, then I'll bet he slept way better and had a much better night than King Darius. Daniel had peace. He had prayer. He even had an angel. Picking up in verse 19, 19 through 23. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? I love that Darius continues to call Daniel the servant of the living God, that you serve him continually, and has your God rescued you? I love that he says that. And if I were Daniel in the den, I probably would have counted the five just to wait a little bit, just to mess with King Darius. That's what, that's what John would have done. John in the lion's den would have done just because I could be a little joker sometimes. So I would have messed with him. But Daniel answers, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. When Daniel answers King Darius, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. They have not hurt me. Can you imagine the relief that probably flooded King Darius's heart when he heard these words from Daniel? I'm sure he was expecting Daniel to have been killed and eaten by, by the lions. Verse 22 says that God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. Now, we don't know exactly if Daniel saw the angel. It's possible that Daniel just knew there was an angel there but never saw him. I'd like to think that Daniel and the angel were hanging out and playing and enjoying the lions together. People like to speculate how the angel stopped the lion's mouth, how he stopped them from eating them. Maybe it was a Jedi mind trick he played. Nobody is here. You are not hungry. Or maybe he gave the lions a, a temporary stomach ache. But it was very temporary, as we're going to find out here shortly. <laughs> Daniel also insisted in verse 22, he says, King, I've done no wrong before you. In other words, yes, Daniel broke the king's law, but he was never against the king. When Daniel went to the upper room and prayed, don't you think he prayed to his God for King Darius? Darius, even when I broke the letter of your law, I did it in a way that was for you and not against you. I care for you, King Darius. I prayed for you, King Darius, and I've done no wrong before you. And Daniel could say that with the integrity of his heart. And then verse 23, it says, because he had trusted in his God, that's why Daniel was delivered. Daniel was preserved through faith. His cause was righteous. He was unjustly accused, but those things alone did not protect him among the lions. Daniel needed a living, abiding faith in God, even in the most difficult circumstances. 
And he had the faith, and God delivered him. And now before we move on to the next verse, I do need to point something out, because we need to be real about this. You know that from your reading in the Bible and from history, and even the present day, that there are people who perished in the lion's den that are faithful servants of Jesus Christ, who are executed, um, killed, and murdered, and not set free. That doesn't mean that God has let them down. It means for, for that time and that purpose, God understood the best way he could bring glory to himself was through the simple strengthening of his servant to make it through is to lay down their life. If we were to read this story of Daniel and he stood bravely in front of the lions and perished like Christians later did in the Roman Empire where they were literally set upon by lions in the arenas and coliseums. If, we were, if that were to have been Daniel's fate, we would be praising God for the strength and faithfulness that he gave his servant to stand bravely to the end. But there are times, there are these wonderful places where God uses opportunities like this to further his plan. It furthers his glory in a remarkable way to bring a miraculous deliverance. And Daniel, no doubt, since that's what God wanted to do at this time and at this place. Therefore, he prayed and God answered that prayer. He believed and God honored that faith. We don't have an attitude at all that says, I love God and will serve him as long as he delivers me from the lion's den. Lord, I will trust in you in the lion's den and you will know how to bring glory to yourself in that circumstance. But isn't it pretty awesome? God delivered Daniel. He came out of that lion's den better than ever. <clears throat> Let me ask you, though. Is there something in your life that you need to have faith for God to deliver you? Maybe it's not a den of lions. Perhaps it's a family matter, something with work, a storm, an addiction, a medical report, a health issue, whatever it is. Have faith like Daniel. God will deliver you. And the cool thing about being here at New Post Church, if you need someone to pray for you and stand in agreement with you, we've got people here that'll do that for you. We've got these groups. You heard Lyft meeting this week. We've got men's ministry. We have our pastors, Pastor Ken. We've got just people that serve as well. If you need, if you need prayer, I encourage you, right outside the door in one of those slips, there's a sheet of paper. I think I put it's a sheet of paper there. It says, need prayer. I encourage you to fill it out and give it to one of us at the end of service or bring it back next week. We'll pray for you. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. So if I could share just a, a quick story. It's about not quite six years ago, Debbie and I, we received a, a medical report that we weren't expecting. There was something going on, but we were praying. We, had, we lived in Jacksonville, Florida. We were connected in our church. We had so many people praying that that medical report was going to come back and everything was going to be great. On our anniversary, we were planning to go out to dinner. We got a report that it was breast cancer and that it was progressing. 
we didn't go. We didn't go out to dinner that night. We stayed on the couch. We cried most of the time and prayed. We had a church family, family and friends. I know we even had people that didn't believe. And they were praying for us. He delivered us. Here we are, we're a survivor, right? Right? <laughs> the thing is, though, we had this, this faith because other people were praying for us, too. There are people around the world praying for us, the connections that we had uh, in the, through our church and family and friends. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. He hears your prayers. And if you need somebody to pray with you, we are here to pray with you. All right, moving on, verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Do you see what happened there? The king said, all right, I want these men who plotted against Daniel. Bring them before me. You guys manipulated me and plotted against me to send Daniel to the lion's den. He came out just fine. Let's see how, how you'll do down there. I'm sure those men were kind of thinking, well, Daniel came out okay. We'll be good, right? We'll be good. But that's not how it worked out. By order of King Darius, those men were thrown down into the lion's den. And before they even hit the ground, the lions overpowered them and ate them up like a lion on an antelope. Now, the part that really bothers us here, it doesn't say just the men who plotted against Daniel. It was their wives and children as well. When we read this, we're like, okay, what, what's going on here? But I'd like for you to observe something. Sometimes we need to read our Bibles with our eyes wide open. Nowhere does it say that God told Darius to do this. Nowhere. God doesn't say he approved of it. God doesn't say that he told Darius to do it. This was the rage of a pagan king who if he knew God at all, it was just, he was just getting to know him. He was filled with fury against the men who plotted and manipulated him against the life of Daniel. Nowhere does it say God commanded these wives and children to be executed. Nowhere does it say that. Nobody should blame that one on God. But it did show there was no problem with the lions. They were more than willing to dispose of the king's enemies if the king so desired. Another thing I want you to see here, this illustrates the work on the cross in reverse. What do I mean by that? Well, what happened on the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, an innocent man, Jesus, died in the place of those who were guilty. That's us. That's you, me, all of us. What happened at the lion's den? The guilty were punished in place of the innocent. The innocent one, Daniel, was let go. The guilty ones perished. Our brothers and sisters, that's how the world works. That's the world we live in. At least that's how it's supposed to work. The innocent get off and the guilty are punished. Doesn't always work that way, but that's the way it's supposed to happen. 
But at the cross, God said, I'm going to reverse that. I'm going to take the innocent one, and I'm going to punish him as if he were guilty. And those guilty ones, I'm going to treat them as if they were innocent. I'm so happy for that. I don't know about you, but I'm so happy that at the cross, Jesus took the guilt, the stain, the shame, the stain of humanity's sin, and he bore it on himself on the cross. He did that for us. He did that for us. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever, for his kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. King Darius wrote a decree for everyone in the kingdom to pay attention to and to honor the God of Daniel. He said to all the world, forget about your pagan gods. The God of Israel is the true God. Here's this pagan king, a non-believer, recognizing and acknowledging the true, the true God. The first six chapters of the book of Daniel, every, each one of these stories tells us three things about God's people. God's people stand firm in their conviction. They stand without compromise. The second thing, God honors and protects his servants. And thirdly, the testimony of God's work makes the ungodly see and tell of the greatness of God. We find this story repeated in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. Go back and read them for yourself. You'll see it. Those three things come out in each and every chapter. The story repeats itself again and again. The point is, is pretty clear. When we stand firm in godly convictions, when we honor God, even when it costs us something, then other people will see it. And that will make an impression on them. It's God's opportunity for you to give him greater glory in this world. Darius does this. He honors the God of Daniel. He says that phrase in verse 26, the God of Daniel. We wish he was also the, the God of Darius. Not yet. But maybe it is, or maybe it did. But in verse 28, we end the chapter with seeing that Daniel prospered. This is the last link in a long chain all through the chapter. Daniel progressed along a path. He was plotted against, but he prayed and he praised. He persistently served. He was persecuted. He was protected. He was preserved. He was then preferred. And finally, he prospered. God set Daniel in this place, and he was blessed at the end of it. He did it for Daniel, and I know he'll do it for us. But what I love most about Daniel chapter 6, it's something I love about these wonderful stories in the Old Testament. And if you look, they will tell you something that's even greater than Daniel being delivered from the lion's den. 
and the worship team can start coming up. But I want to tell a quick story. It goes like this. A man without blame, faithful to God in all of his ways, a man who is given and noted for prayer, he was sent to his death by the jealousy of those who wanted to prevent his exaltation. He was condemned to death by the plotting of his enemies. He was thrown into a stone room meant to be his tomb. A stone was rolled over the opening, and a seal was set on that stone. But in all of its power, in all of its ferocity, death could not touch him. And in the morning, the stone was rolled away, and he came out victorious, and he glorified God. And pagans gave honor to God, and his enemies were judged. It's a pretty cool story, isn't it? And who am I talking about? Am I talking about Jesus? Of course I'm talking about Daniel. But isn't it beautiful to see in these Old Testament stories that they're like a, a red arrow flashing and blinking, pointing us right to Jesus. This story happened not quite 3,000 years ago. It's a red arrow flashing and blinking, pointing us right to Jesus. Jesus is the one who emerged from the den of lions victoriously because death could not touch him. There was an enemy worse than a pack of lions. Sin was after him. Death was after him. But Jesus emerged victorious. And now he says to you, now... I will pass my victory on to you. That's a great story. Do you agree? Is that one for, you, for all of us to receive with all of our hearts? To receive that by faith right here, right now? If you receive it, can I get an amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this this story in the Old Testament that points right to your son, Jesus. God, I, I pray and ask that you help each and every one of us, Lord, that, that our lives are consistently serving you, Father, that, the, that our faith and trust and our actions point to you, Jesus, just like this story about Daniel. God, I pray that you just continue to move in us, Lord. Continue to work in us and through us. Help us to honor you in all that we do. Lord, we thank you for who Jesus is and the love that he gave for us. We honor you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.